0: for checking into the home for Raywood OCs. This is a podcast where our guest and I talk about our original characters, the good, the bad, and the self-insers. Today, our guest is Keenan Pearson, right?
1: Hi! Hi, Christina. Yes, I am Keenan Pearson.
0: Okay, I didn't remember your last name, <laughs> and I wanted to make sure that I said it correctly. My
1: last name isn't that important.
0: <laughs> it felt weird saying just Keenan, so...
1: I appreciate that. Thank you, Christina.
0: Yeah, um... I I guess uh, this is maybe a weird question to ask for a guest, but how did you hear about the show?
1: (laughs) So uh, thanks to the wonderful people that is Shannon Maynard, Jake Mason, uh, Josh and Alan and all those guys, uh, that's how I ended up hearing about you was through their podcast. They mentioned that you also do art and you also do a podcast. I started listening, and I got to say, one, uh, this is a great honor for me because this is my first guest appearance on any podcast whatsoever, so I really appreciate that. Thank you so much.
0: Uh, Well, you're welcome. (laughs) Uh,
1: Secondly, uh, there was one particular episode. I should have wrote down which uh, episode, but uh, what I really appreciate about your podcast, and I think I wrote a review about it, is that... A lot of the guests that you have, they share some very powerful stories about themselves that tend to be something that normally that maybe some people would keep to themselves and it was really inspiring. So that's what made me want to reach out to you. And, you know, I don't think I'll be able to share a powerful story such as they can, but uh the fact that I'm in the company of those people is a great honor.
0: Well, uh, Thank you. Uh, I I mostly asked because I think you might be the second cold call email that I've gotten asking to be on the show. So I was curious.
1: Are you kidding me?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh,
1: wow, that that's funny.
0: (laughs) uh, Not 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 a lot. But uh, most of the so far, most of the guests I think that have been on here are ones that I've known through some other capacity. Uh, But like, like
1: friend of a friend type stuff.
0: Mostly, yeah, kind of like LinkedIn connection stuff. Oh,
1: well, <laughs> don't I feel special? <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, but yeah, in that case, then, uh, who are we going to be talking about today, Keenan?
1: So today, we are going to be talking about my Mobile Suit Gundam OC that I actually created pretty recently, uh, Lieutenant Kenneth Hadar.
0: okay uh now before uh before we super get into this what ki- what like era or style of gundam are we talking about are we talking about like super old school like uh like amaro and uh char that kind of a thing are we talking like g gundam modern gundam
1: oh you know your history um so i had my
0: days <laughs>
1: <laughs> so i think as most of us uh in the united states had it we grew up with gundam wing first and that has nothing to do with the main timeline that Gundam has, which is the Amuro-Shar stuff that they mm-hmm. started back in the late 70s. So um, that's where this character is going to be taking place, is in the Amuro-Shar timeline. Okay. Or as the, they call it, the Universal Century.
0: Okay. Uh, so I guess for people who maybe didn't have a Gundam phase like I did when I was 13, uh, this is like, if you're looking at Gundam stuff, Like, this is kind of the super old school clunky Gundam where it's not, like, it's very boxy robots.
1: Oh, yeah. Like, very polygonal, almost like early uh, 3D animation type stuff, even though it's hand-drawn. Yeah, but nothing, like, very streamlined. A lot of bright colors, though.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is that is the one thing that definitely can be said about it. Is there's a lot of bright colors, and there's a lot of warfare. <laughs>
1: and, and a lot of pretty people, too.
0: Yeah, that's probably also fair. <laughs> uh, so tell us a little bit about uh, Kenneth. What is his kind of, I guess, introduction to the bigger world of fighting robots?
1: So the whole point that I created this character was I, I kind of got back into being a Gundam fan again not that long ago i had a big break from it after gundam Seed came out uh i was really burned by the uh, by that anime and i wanted nothing to do with it up until uh, a couple of years ago where i started seeing they put out new stuff and it was a lot better than i thought about it like when they released gundam the origin which is a prequel to the amuro shar stuff it's off the charts with how good that show was so it inspired me to create this character and kind of wedge himself into that universe. But I also wanted to challenge myself, because uh, I have been—I think I mentioned this in my email to you. Um, I also voice act. So it's kind of my job to create characters on the regular. And what I wanted to do was take this character, put it into the series, but also can I make it where he doesn't have an impact on it on the greater scheme of things, can he be interesting while also not having any major play with many of the main characters in the series? Mm-hmm. So, uh, and like how I always start making characters, I usually start with a name, because uh, if you know like name origins and stuff like that, you can kind of get a good idea of maybe how you want your skeleton to take uh take hold. And what I found uh, interesting was I was looking up... Uh, since Gundam is about space stuff, you know. Yeah, uh, space. <laughs> <laughs> I looked up names of stars in the sky. And I found one uh, particularly, which is, I think, like... It's either, like, the 11th or 12th brightest star in the sky that we can see. And it shares his last name, which is Hadar. Okay. It's uh, I believe it's Arabic. And its meaning is kind of like the crux of this character, where I I believe it means observer. Okay. So that's where I felt this character fits, is he's going along with the story and observing all the stuff that happens throughout the you know 40-plus years that this franchise has been going.
0: <laughs> which is a very long time.
1: Which is a very long time, and their timeline for the Universal Century extends a lot of years. Mm-hmm. So that's where I felt uh, I wanted to take this character was there's so much I like about that series, the factions that they have in the war, the people involved, what happens in it, uh, how their governments work. I'm a real big fan of Gundam.
0: Okay. Um, I guess maybe with that in mind, uh, what kind of a situation was Kenneth set into? Was he kind of like a... Oh, hey, he's a mechanic working on working on one of the main gundams. Is he just someone some no one relative no one from a uh from like a different environment that just maybe gets interacted with the main conflict, or what's this kind of scenario here
1: so um, and I guess I'll go ahead and throw this out, but this will probably be a huge spoiler for anybody, so I'll probably spoil a lot of things throughout the course of this so. Just put that out there, uh, in case anybody is listening and wants to get into the franchise and hasn't done so yet. It's amazing. I encourage it. Um But the whole uh the whole premise of the original Mobile Suit Gundam is uh the Earth is like all of the Earth governments have come together to form a union called the Earth Federation. And they've been overseeing the development since um in their calendar uh since they first started putting people up into space that's when the universal century started and now there's space colonies that are kind of hovering around the earth like satellites Mm -hmm. um and for many years the earth federation has not been very friendly to the people that they put up into space like space immigration is kind of a big problem and they wanted to they wanted to kick people off earth because it was getting too crowded um uh, supplies and resources were quickly diminishing because of the amount of people that are on the planet. So they said, you're off into space and you're never coming back. <laughs> but we won't tell you yep. you're never coming back. We're just going to make sure that whenever you try to come to Earth, we're not going to let you. Um,
0: yeah, that's the uh, that's the classic uh, WALL-E scenario. Just, <laughs> nope, we're just going to put you into space and yeah. leave you there. Bye, have fun.
1: Pretty much. So Kenneth grew up uh, in space. He wasn't originally from Earth. He was born in space. Um because uh his parents uh originally immigrated f- or I guess emigrated, right? That's when you leave. It's not immigration, it's emigration.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Em- emigration would be leaving, yeah.
1: Yeah. So his parents, Marcel and Frida Hadar, they emigrated off to a colony called Side Six. Uh the sides are clusters of colonies. Okay. And they grew up there, but throughout the decades, uh, with the Earth Federation being as hostile to space immigrants, uh, some of the colonies got together and formed their own union. Uh, one of them, particularly, uh, you might be familiar with, is is the Principality of Zeon.
0: Yeah, those are the those are the people who make all the crazy Zaku robots or whatever, and they Correct. have lots of red and wear big capes.
1: Yes, yes. Uh, they're a very militaristic union. It didn't start that way, but eventually they got to a point where they became a almost like uh, totalitarian power. Um, and they, in the name of independence, decided to fight back. Even though the powers to be didn't see it that way, they were kind of misleading people
0: mm-hmm.
1: to join the war cause and fight against the Earth Federation and commit all these horrible atrocities, like dropping a colony on the planet, which mm-hmm. caused a huge global devastation, like an asteroid impact.
0: Yeah, that, that'd do it.
1: <laughs> yeah. So as Kenneth was growing up, uh, he was getting kind of a different perspective on it because Side 6 is a neutral colony in the war effort, so they didn't see either side as either the clear uh, hero in this scenario so he kind of mm-hmm. just watched you know as a general citizen he watched news coverage you know he got influence a little bit from his parents and his friends a little bit mm-hmm. and and eventually um, now like the main conflict of Gundam is the one year war that's where Amuro and Shar take place like the first time they, f- mm-hmm. they, f- they fight over many decades but okay. that's like the most important one that people remember because that's where the original show takes place uh, about yeah. uh, eight years later, uh, the Earth Federation beat Zeon
0: mm-hmm.
1: at in during the One Year War. They beat them and they kind of have peace again. Um, during that time, another faction within the Earth Federation called the Titans showed up, and okay. they they're arguably worse than Zeon. Like they are. One hundred percent space racists. They hate them, and they want nothing oh, to do with them. They want them out of the universe. So they do mm-hmm. a whole bunch of horrible things, and that's where it just set Kenneth off. Like I have to, I have to stop this. This is terrible. They're going to kill all of us. Okay. Like there's an example where um, this takes place in uh, Zeta Gundam, where they the Titans go to a colony and they. Gas it. They put a lethal poison into their air uh, filters, and it wipes out the entire colony. Great. (laughs) It's awful. So that's where he decides. Like, okay, I'm going to join the Xeon remnants, not knowing that Xeon is also kind of terrible. But he Mm -hmm. he joins in. He's not really much of a pilot at first. Like, he was going to school to be an engineer, so he goes to make more, you know, Zaku type stuff for Zeon for about I want to say like 5 years um or so then he transitions into a full-on pilot as the things kind of escalate, which we can get into detail later about that. Um and that's how he eventually like joins as a full-on soldier and pilot.
0: Okay. And since you mentioned that obviously he is a pilot, does he have a Gundam or is he piloting like some kind, of, some various uh, kind of a Zaku?
1: Some various kind of a Zaku. Okay. As much as I love Gundams, uh, I was more interested in the other suits because you don't see them as much and they come up with some pretty wacky stuff for the non-Gundam stuff
0: oh yes they do yes they
1: do like to there's even a video game called the uh, Gundam Breaker series that's all about like making your own Mm -hmm. and I would see a lot of people not make Gundam stuff as much because they found that you can do more crazy stuff with the non-Gundam parts
0: okay yeah I believe that it's kind of like how when everyone growing up had like bionicles and stuff and part of the oh, fun was God. just seeing all the different ways that you could like get the pieces to fit together and make something that could that could in theory move
1: i was a huge sucker for bionicles <laughs>
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i feel like it's probably a component of every uh every creative middle class child's awareness growing up
1: yeah if you weren't playing with those you were either going out to buy the gundam model kits or mm-hmm. uh, Zoids, if you remember those.
0: Oh, I do. I do remember Zoids.
1: <laughs> those are like the first like uh, kits that actually could function, as far as I'm aware of, um, mm-hmm. where they had their own internal motors that were operated by a battery, and they could walk around and do stuff like that. It was awesome. hmm
0: Those were always super cool. I never had any of those, but...
1: I had one uh, because I begged my parents to get it, and they never wanted to get it again. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I could I could understand that.
1: <laughs> They're so expensive.
0: Yeah, and especially with like any kind of building kit, there's so many small pieces that can either be lost or stepped on or broken. Right.
1: And that kind of passion is what I actually translated to the character and why I made him start as an engineer first is mm-hmm. that's a facet that I like to explore more is somebody who is a... Who has a practical but creative mind who goes to join the war effort to build these robots that uh-huh. they're meant for war, but in his mind he's doing it to help save everybody in space. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's a bit of a it's a bit of a delusion that he has, not knowing that even after the the powers to be that led Xeon had long since been defeated, uh systemically they kept getting worse and worse and worse over the many years that Xeon remained as an entity.
0: Okay. So uh since I'm assuming that he is someone who is a good person, uh, how does he kind of go through, I guess, his character journey, like against the Titans while also hopefully realizing that uh Xeon and the Xeon remnants are also not especially good.
1: <laughs> right. So uh, the one good thing that uh, Gundam shows, because it kind of takes elements that we've experienced in our history, is powerful leaders can be very charismatic, and mm-hmm. they will mislead you know the most desperate to mm-hmm. join their cause. And Zeon's mm-hmm. leaders were very good at being you know the symbols of independence and. You know, hurting all of these people into fighting for them. Even though they change hands many times, like uh, the Principality was led by these, uh, the group called the Zabi family, who Mm -hmm. the reason why uh, Zeon went to war in the first place instead of trying to do peaceful negotiations was because that family staged a coup on their colony. And took over as uh, sovereigns. So originally it was a republic, and then it became the principality thanks to the Zabi family. And then mm-hmm. after they after they were defeated and they left, uh, and the Xeon remnants had to escape to the asteroid belt. Um, former members of, I guess you could call it their cabinet, uh, took over in their stead. Uh, one of them being a very uh, a very great a uh, female character named Hamon Karn
0: okay that who, name sounds vaguely familiar
1: yeah she's got pink hair she's usually in like very snazzy uniforms stuff like that she was the new leader of Xeon for a long time mhm and if you've ever seen her in action she's like some people look to her as like a motherly figure even okay. though she's this wonderfully badass woman who's leading a war effort against, you know, an entire fleet of Earth Federation ships that greatly outnumber her. But she shows compassion at the same time as being fierce and uh, horribly conniving.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like,
1: she's incredibly intelligent in scheming. And uh, that's where he actually was, like, he bought in Hook, line and, and Sinker when she took over. Um, okay. He didn't join the effort when the prin- uh the principality was run by the Zabi family, mm-hmm. but when Haman stepped up, uh, Kenneth and many other uh, who joined the cause just fell in love with her. Sometimes, literally, <laughs> <laughs> fell in love with her. Yeah. Um, and it didn't. It didn't take until uh, I want to say because the. Zeon sticks around, I think, for a grand total of like 18 or 20 years before Mm -hmm. they effectively just dissolve and you never see them again. So it didn't take until after Haman Karn had been defeated and was out of the picture that he started to see the cracks in it a little bit because she, along with the other leaders of Zeon, while they claim to have good intentions, they were actually just hellbent on dominating the earth and putting everything under their thumb. Okay. That sort of thing.
0: Okay. So, um in that sense then, does Kenneth uh does his like journey as a character does he like fight his way out from underneath these tyrants? Is he like is it is it more of a journey of like self reflection? Or is it just getting out there and fighting some bad guys with some cool robots?
1: (laughs) It's a combination of a lot of that, actually. Um, Around the time after Haman left, shar big spoiler, uh, he's survived uh, Mm -hmm. through all these years. A lot of it he spent in hiding. Uh, yeah, didn't he like cut his hair and wear sunglasses at some point? Yeah, he went under an all uh, an alias by the name of Quattro Pagina, where he just donned shades and he grew his hair out a little bit. Did not really much of a good disguise, if you ask me. But everybody bought it. So yeah,
0: well, this isn't James Bond. This is fun fighting robots.
1: Right, exactly. Um, he actually has a tie to the original founders of Xeon.
0: Okay. Are, so, you, are you talking about Kenneth
1: or not? Char? Ke- not not Kenneth. Shar. Um, okay. The reason I say that is because Shar comes out of hiding and takes over as the new leader after Haman Karn. Mm-hmm. So he fully embraces his Zeon heritage and is now leading another war effort in an attempt to, to get people off Earth, as opposed to being in just independent. He kind of goes crazy. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, that that kind of uh, seems par for the course with anything with Gundam or yeah. really just big fighting robots in general. There's always that point at which people at some point have either like a psychic link to the robot and then that starts <laughs> take, taking over and breaking their brain, which I cannot endorse in any way, shape or form. I feel like that happens with Evangelion. I haven't seen it. <laughs>
1: Like, I just came back from, th- this was months ago, but they released a new movie for Gundam called Narrative, and it's kind of all about, like, the psychics that take place in the series. They're, they're called New Types, and mm-hmm. they bring up, like, um they torture these people, like, they brainwash them, they do all these crazy stuff because they're so powerful that they want to exploit them to win the war. hmm but uh, Kenneth is not that. He's a regular person. <laughs> yeah. He's
0: just a regular person who likes a robot.
1: He, yeah, exactly. He's a regular person who likes a robot who wants to... At one point, he actually wants to outdo the psychics because they're so incredibly dangerous. Um, and they tend to be on the Earth Federation side, so he builds machines to kind of combat that. Um, but what I was saying about Char is that when he took over... um things were really getting out of hand at a certain point even though like he was able to get everybody in space to unify with him uh he was going to do things that were worse than any other leader in zeon history like the colony drop was one thing he was going to bomb multiple asteroids on earth to create a nuclear winter and force great. people force people to get off it's yeah it's fantastic great idea <laughs> that i'm sure that'll go over well with everybody and that's where uh, Kenneth, mm-hmm. as a character, sees like, "Oh God, what am I doing? <laughs> this is, this is wrong. <laughs> I yep. know, I know it's wrong, but I've been on this side for so long, and I want freedom for our people. Mm-hmm. So that's the dilemma: is how much can he put up with knowing that what he's doing is not right anymore?
0: Okay." And how does how does he how does he deal with that? Like, what's what is the path that he takes towards? I guess repentance of, oops, yeah, bad uh, guys.
1: Yeah, I did. I did a bad. Uh, there's no way I'm gonna be able to fix this. So eventually, Shar uh, gets defeated too, and he steps out of power until, spoilers, another person like Shar, who's actually a clone, <laughs> shows up. With like the final like stragglers uh, called the sleeves, and
0: the sleeves, yeah. Okay. This takes place in okay, Gundam.
1: <laughs> yeah, this takes place in Gundam Unicorn, which was made, you know, I think back in like twenty twelve or something like that. So many years after they made the original stuff, uh-huh. but they're still harkening back to the same timeline. Um, during those series of events, the sleeves try instead of doing the whole crazy let's bomb Earth thing. Uh, Let's actually just maybe like form a coalition and boycott the Earth. Okay. Even though we're still trying to get rid of the Earth Federation military as best as we can. Um, But that's, again, that's another ruse uh, because since it's a clone of Char, he still wants to be like Char and do the same Mm -hmm. things he did.
0: Yep, that's I think that's what they call clone blues. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. He suffers from an extreme case of it. Um so, Kenneth gets convinced one by himself, the other by another person named Mineva, who is actually another member of the zombie family. She was born like right after the original war had ended. Mm-hmm. Uh she grew up to see things differently than the other zombies. So mm-hmm. she actually just she's a big pacifist, and she wants peace like no tomorrow um okay,
0: uh is she one of the canon characters? Or she is, is one she... of the canon okay. characters, okay I didn't I... make her up <laughs> okay i i just i don't have an awful lot of uh exact knowledge of all of the characters of Gundam, so I wanted to check.
1: I don't blame you. There's a long history. <laughs> it's a lot to keep track of, especially when they make spin-off series that have nothing to do with it. They're just like, are you sure they're not related in any way? <laughs> mm-hmm. That kind of thing. Um Mineva in Unicorn, she goes with this other the the main character of Unicorn to uncover this like mystery Thing that was left since like the original series that they only brought up now because hindsight. Yeah. Um,
0: is it a robot?
1: It's not a robot. Dang they it. they do have a new robot that's kind of a part of the puzzle where like mm-hmm. in in its mechanism it has like a, a tracking device to pick up where this thing is. The thing is, is um, it's actually a charter um that they drafted when people first started going into space a lot when the Earth Federation set it up, um, the Charter, they thought it went it was missing for a long time, so they made a new one, but they left out a key detail, and that's what uh, the secret is, is that the original Charter has a line in it that says it's more about new types, less about uh, space independence, but it kind of goes hand in hand. Where... It says if a new evolution is discovered by people being in space, they have equal and fair rights as any citizen. That's okay. that's a, that's a summary of what it is. So the whole the whole series of unicorn, they're trying to chase after this thing. They find it uh, thanks to Maneva and a bunch of other like Xeon remnants who defect. That's where Kenneth fits in. Mm-hmm. Is they they see things as like. Look, we've been fighting a losing battle all these years and we know that we're wrong. The Earth Federation is also wrong, but we're not doing any favors by continuing to just kill people.
0: No. And, and what then, a concept. <laughs> yeah. Don't yeah.
1: kill people. <laughs> right, exactly. Um so they all they all join up together. They they beat the clone char, they find the charter and supposedly, like, real peace is established after that.
0: I'm hearing this supposedly with lots of air quotes around that.
1: Well, because there's still things coming out in the future that address things that happen after that. Okay. <laughs> like, there's a new movie trilogy that's going to be coming out very soon that takes place, I think, like, uh, 10 years after that event. Okay. And uh, supposedly, it's going to get crazy because it's, uh, an- it's an adaptation of a novel that the original director of Gundam wrote, that's all about okay. that. That's all about like things are still not great. <laughs> after all is said and done, the Earth Federation is still a monster.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean that is uh, that could kind of just be applied to uh, a lot of scenarios. That there is very rarely ever an easy end to any kind of conflict.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that's where. Uh, I feel like what the best thing that I have about this character is that he joined a he joined a war effort in good terms or or for good cause but the leaders to be led him down the wrong path. He mm-hmm. he tries to make it right and they kind of succeed but things still don't change. Yeah. So he's at a point where much later in his life he feels like there's not there's not much more i can do yeah so he he steps away from it to go live uh you know his own life and step away from the war
0: okay uh does he do any kind of like i guess you could say like mentoring of a younger generation or something or trying to improve his situation or his country on like a micro level, of, as opposed to like the macro level of conducting a war effort.
1: As a matter of fact, he does, because when he uh, when he retires from active duty, um, because thankfully because he helped the Earth Federation in the end, they gave him a pardon along with a bunch of other people. They allowed some. Okay. They allowed some of the other Xeon remnants to operate as a part of the Earth Federation, but under very strict rules, and he wanted no no part of that anymore because he hates the Earth Federation. Mm -hmm. So he decides to go back home where he lived, you know, be close to his family, you know, he finds love, he he marries, and has a daughter. And his daughter grows up to eventually join the Earth Federation against his wishes. Yeah. So that's where he kind of... Tries to impart a little bit of wisdom onto her. It's just like, I know things have changed since all these years. The Earth Federation may not seem as bad as they used to be, but be wary that these things may happen. So he gets into you know a parental conflict with his daughter about it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know he concedes because he realizes if he oversteps his bounds, he'll probably end up losing his daughter. Yeah. And he doesn't want that.
0: (laughs) No. uh, Most parents would not, I imagine.
1: Well, especially because, you know, since he spent all this time being in a war effort, like, he retires from active duty. I I actually wrote down, like, (laughs) key points, like, where his age is. So it's around when he's, like, 36 is when he retires from active duty, so he spent uh he joined Zian at eighteen so that's a good yeah. that's a good amount of time of being you know entrenched in war and fighting um even though he didn't spend uh all of it fighting he was just building things but when he took a direct role, he saw his comrades perish, he saw you know people he cared about you know mm-hmm. either get locked up or never seen again yeah. um
0: that happens with war.
1: Yeah, so he doesn't want to experience any of that again. So that's why he's like, "All right, <laughs> sweetie, just just be careful. I love you so much. I don't want yeah. to see anything happen to you."
0: That is that is good to hear. <laughs>
1: it's, yeah,
0: uh, it it's always I, I feel like the concept of having characters whose arcs like take place after a big conflict is not always something that gets i guess adapted or used in popular culture yeah it's usually people who are more active participants not you know what happens after the big giant conflict
1: right and the uh, gundam is a series has been getting better at showing other parts of it even though some people would say it's excessive it's just like all right can we move on please <laughs> like can we not go back to the one-year war again but there's so many interesting facets that they bring up that don't involve the main players that have actually proved to be actually more interesting because mm-hmm. of what happens in their development um so that kind of that's kind of another reason why I wanted to take my character and maybe not make him so much as a person of big influence
0: I don't think I ever actually asked at the beginning of the recording um, what kind of a situation is uh, Kenneth from? Is he from a story that you're writing? Did you just make up a character for the heck of it when you were getting back into Gundam, like you said?
1: Yeah, it was kind of for the heck of it. Although now um, uh, I play a lot of tabletop tabletop RPGs and Mm -hmm. there's one called Starfinder, which is uh, based on the Pathfinder system. I want to try and translate this character to that.
0: Okay.
1: Even though it doesn't involve giant robots, but it does involve space travel and piloting and engineering and stuff like that. So I think it would be a good fit for it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, the original concept was just like, you know, I've never made a Gundam Mosi before. I love this franchise, but I've never actually made one for it. Let me try that.
0: Yeah. Uh, in that case, uh, let's talk about something that we didn't really talk about when you were kind of setting up his backstory and his surroundings. Uh, what does his zaku look like
1: so his original zaku that he builds is kind of like the basic model but um because early pilots are not given anything more advanced because they have to earn it mm-hmm. um but he is allowed to make modifications to it you know kind of like how char has his red zaku and it's actually a little bit faster than the average one um mm-hmm. so his because he's not when he becomes a pilot he's not that great at it uh he kind of customizes his to be a little more of a distance uh shooter so he loads it up with you know long range protection like anti you know anti-missiles you know stuff like that so it's more of Mm -hmm. like a heavy zaku okay then um something that's supposed to like fly through space you know at you know lightning speeds yeah or anything like that. And that extends to later suits that he ends up uh building and customizing.
0: Mm-hmm. Does he do more work with like specifically the Zaku line or does he branch out into other kinds of uh robotics and mechanics?
1: He does. Um he experiments with Zakus for a while, and then when he proves himself as a pilot and as a team member, uh He's given, you know, promotion and promotions usually come with a new mobile suit. Uh, mm-hmm. So he got the choice to pilot what's called the Dovenwolf, which is this huge mobile suit that has this really powerful reactor core that has the capability of like taking entire ships down by itself. Mm-hmm. So he modifies that a little bit because it was also designed for new types so he had to scale that back because he's not a new type.
0: Yeah. Was it kind of like a was it kind of like a I'm going to build a different kind of adapter or just add on an extra control panel to adapt for the fact that I'm not a new type or
1: Yeah, yeah, actually, yes. Um like he was able to go into like the computer system and kind of like build things from the ground up to make it more compatible for somebody like him. As opposed okay. to being a new type, especially with another suit that he gets much later, which is not a um, it's not a heavy suit at all. It's actually um, it's actually very fast and can actually form into a jet like a transformer. OK, okay. <laughs> because that became um, that was popular in Zeta and they kept that for a little bit Um but that one was also designed to be for new types because new types can pilot those things better than anybody else can so he kind of takes it and basically makes the computer almost like autopilot when okay. stuff like that happens so he can you know press a couple of buttons real real quick and still focus on what he needs to do when he's fighting
0: okay okay did did he see a lot of armed combat or was he more kind of like a Backlines, support also mechanic duty person
1: that's how it started but when shard uh took over the first time not the clone shard the real one (laughs) um shard gave him another promotion along with a bunch of other people and because their numbers were not as big as they used to be uh even though they have like all the citizen support they still don't have big military anymore uh he had to be more, more directly involved Okay. So he saw way more action after that.
0: Yeah, probably way more than he'd ever intended to get.
1: Yes, and that kind of scares him uh at mm-hmm. that point because before he was usually a part of like a, a squadron where he didn't have to do all the heavy lifting. Uh yeah. in fact, he was always instructed to kind of like stay back because that's what you're good at. Mhm. You know, and also to make sure that like the other more experienced pilots if they get damaged, you'll be able to come in for a quick pickup and get them out of there. Okay. Uh also once he, you know, was able to get like more powerful suits, uh he was saved for along with a bunch of other people for like anti-ships. Okay. Because a battleship is more powerful than a robot.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, whales are more powerful than humans. Yep. So that tracks. <laughs> yep.
1: So, uh that was a uh that was a big importance for him uh at that time. But later on he started to get more personal with it where he would go into one on one against other pilots in the Earth Federation.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned that he had at least one squadron. And I know that a stere not a stereotype, but a hallmark of the Gundam franchise as a whole is that every every main character has like a group of at least three like extra supporting teammates oh yeah so who were those for kenneth
1: um (laughs) this is the one if he had any this is the one thing that i didn't over prepare for was names of teammates or anything like that yeah but um he uh, i do know the name of his designated unit that he was in for a long time they they're called the emerald triangle okay because all of their suits, like the majority of Zaku's are colored green because Xeon's colors were mainly green, but mm-hmm. they got to paint theirs in a, that special emerald coat of paint that they wanted. Um, and they were, the this was the anti-ship group. Okay. Was these, these three units that were able to just be the heavy artillery and just blow out, you know, planes, battleships, you name it.
0: Mm-hmm okay um i guess my next question is kind of more of um uh, switching topics a little bit which is what are some of the favorite uh plot points that you've had happen with kenneth
1: so one of my favorite plot points actually uh comes after he steps out of duty is mm-hmm. uh this is around like universal century 105 is um there's a terrorist group that forms called Mufti. It's a really stupid name, but that's what they use. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> Fluffy the Terrible.
1: Yeah. Uh, it was actually... Uh, it wasn't formed uh, by a main character from the original Gundam series, but it was taken over by a main character in the original series. or it, the, the son of one of the main characters is uh, mm-hmm. Captain Bright uh if you remember him from the original series, he was the leader of white base
0: vaguely
1: he's got like dark hair kind of like beady eyes but uh it it it's fine it's sh- that shows very old now um mm-hmm. he has children uh three of them i believe okay. and one of them uh in a movie joins the earth Federation to fight against char and his rebellion again mm-hmm uh, something happens in that movie that shocks him and uh, he steps away from it for a long while then he gets contacted by somebody from the mufti organization and is like hey we know who you are we have a proposition for you would you like to help us take out the earth federation because they did you know these things to you and your family uh and he's like yeah i'm on board let's do it um Mm-hmm. But they also reach out to Xeon remnants. Z- Kenneth is technically a Xeon remnant, so mm-hmm. they give him a call. And this is like after when he has his baby now. So okay, like there's a really like intense meeting that he has with a couple of the Mufti organization people. They respect him for what he did, but they're way more radical than your. Typical you know anti-war effort <laughs> Or not mm-hmm. and not anti-war effort Pro-war stuff like They're they're terrorists for a reason Like they You know r- try to run insurgencies And stuff like that so It's it's like uh, It's like the godfather where They're meeting you know the leader of the gang And mm-hmm. you just You just feel this like At any moment everybody's Gonna pull out their guns and shoot each other Yeah with these guys, but um, the Mufti guys they backed down out of respect to him, mm-hmm. even though like he wasn't like a really famous figure, like some of the other people that remained alive, but they realize it's maybe better to say, "Okay, we'll leave you alone, but we may come back and ask you to join again if things change."
0: Okay.
1: Okay. That that I uh that I thought was really interesting. Um another uh which uh was earlier is when mm-hmm. um uh when I brought up a uh, Mineva Zabi. Mm-hmm. Uh I had in mind like a really good like heart to heart meeting with him and a bunch of the other like remnants who they're also at the same crossroads where we know we're not doing the right thing but how can we join the Earth Federation despite all the things that they've done to us and she like in my head anyway she has like a great you know heartwarming speech to them that's like unbelievably genuine and the thing about Maneva is she's actually still very young like okay I think she's like seven, 16 or seventeen when those events take place, so she she grew up seeing all these atrocities and is younger than all these other soldiers, but mm-hmm. they're more they're more hardened and they refuse to change, so hearing it come from a child, especially somebody who used to be a part of the problem, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know the big zombie family that started all this mess uh that's kind of just like okay if they're willing to change by representation even though none of the zombie family members are really alive anymore except her it's like okay we can change too yeah so i thought that would be like a really uh interesting thing that i put down um i brought up the you know dilemma that he has with his daughter when she wants to join euro federation
0: mm-hmm. the struggle of uh do i let my kid go off to war or do yeah. i keep her safe yeah
1: which later on uh, she eventually defects herself okay and she has a crisis about that so who does she go to she goes to her father Mm -hmm. you're just like wow i like the earth federation is still trying to do the right thing but their leadership is a mess Mm -hmm. (laughs) and he's like well i told you (laughs) You just didn't want to listen. Like you wanted to join the war ev- or not the war effort, but you want she wanted to be a ma- almost kind of like a police officer in a sense kind of doing like street mm-hmm. street justice, but yeah. in this case it's space justice and she still gets a robot.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> you know. Uh, but uh there's a certain event that takes place during one of the movies called F91 where Another, like, radical organization that's not Xeon this time, um, they kind of do, like, they want to take things back to, like, the caste system, where they want royal, Yikes. They want royalty. They want, you know, uh, they want classes for people again. Um Mm-mm. yeah, Yeah, no good. Uh, they lose, thankfully. <laughs> good. But um, the Earth Federation, when they get confronted with that, they... Mm-hmm. Don't handle it well like they don't uh, they don't help their own soldiers try to fight against them they have to have another kid like Amuro come in with a Gundam to kind of help them smooth things over and he didn't want to be a part of the Earth Federation in the first place he kind of got roped into it much like Amuro did Mm -hmm. so she sees that and she's like oh my god I can't work for this organization anymore I have to go uh that's that settles and she talks to her father about it and he he doesn't encourage her to leave so much as just i think at this point you're old enough to follow your heart and i've seen you grow up to be this wonderful young woman that you are so Mm -hmm. i trust that you'll make the right decision for yourself so if that means staying with your federation then by all means but if you want to go don't (laughs) <laughs> don't hold, don't let anything else hold you back your your own person move on because mm-hmm. even though it took me decades before I did and I'm still bitter about it and I still have things left that I'll probably take to the grave mm-hmm. you don't have that yet
0: yeah get out while you can while you're still healthy
1: pretty much <laughs> Mm-hmm. Pretty much. And she does. Uh she leaves and she ends up uh joining kind of like a vigilante organization that's based on a manga called the Crossbone Vanguard. Okay. Think like uh think like Space Pirates. Okay. <laughs> Just add giant robots to it and you're and you're set.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can yes that. <laughs>
1: It's a really fascinating series. I want them to turn it into an anime, but I don't know how long it's going to be before they decide, like, yeah, we'll sign off on that.
0: Okay. Uh, so did you have anything that you wanted to talk about uh, with Kenneth before I move into the final question?
1: Um, I guess the only other thing that I have left is that I. this is one of the few characters I have that actually has his arc complete where... He goes from birth to death.
0: Uh-huh.
1: So the last thing that I have for him in my notes is when he passes away, and it's like right before the Earth Federation actually collapses.
0: Aw, oh, man. So by that much. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. So he doesn't get to live to see the Earth Federation crumble under itself because mm-hmm. they, they they're overblown and They've gone through so many periods of wartime, and the Earth is devastated, and their government is filled with horrible people.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: But uh, he at least extend like, he was able to live till 84, which I think is a nice, like, round of uh, life for somebody like him, especially mm-hmm. somebody who's an ex-soldier. Uh he doesn't take he doesn't take up any like bad habits, like he doesn't drink heavily, he doesn't smoke or anything like that. He he that's just, you know, when his body decides like, okay, you've had you've had enough, you can rest now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's pretty much like the the end of it.
0: Okay. Well, uh on that note then, uh Keenan, what is your favorite thing? about uh, Kenneth. Why do you love him so much?
1: What I love about this character so much, one, we have a similar name. <laughs> I tend to do that with a lot of characters where I'll kind of like morph my own name into it sometimes or sometimes it'll just be as simple as like, oh, I just want this character to have a letter K in their name. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm
0: not going to drag you for that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's real petty, I know, but uh, it helps me attach myself to those characters a bit more. Um, this was the first character I've made since becoming a voice actor that I took what I learned from all my training and applied it to this character. Mm-hmm. So I feel like this character is probably the one of the more in-depth characters that I have made in terms of OCs. I, I would love to use him in a professional manner. If I somehow end up being cast in a gun project, that would be the dream, but... yeah. <laughs> you know um and just the fact that this is uh this is a character like i said i have his whole cycle down like aside from you know naming people like the guys in the emerald uh the emerald triangle thing Mm -hmm. but i named his parents i named his wife i named his daughter you know uh i put a lot of time and effort into Mm -hmm. it and i'm very proud of it uh As silly as it is, because I'm just putting this in the ether, <laughs> you know, not expecting anything to come of it. It was just for me. Yeah. Just to kind of express my passion about Gundam, passion about, you know, actually a lot of real life politics kind of got pulled into it as well. Mm-hmm. Like that kind of like shaped his opinion a little bit in a way that I can't do because that's not my life, you know? Yeah. Like, despite the political climate, I never thought about, like, joining military or anything like that. And I have a great respect for anybody who does, including many of my friends who, you know, joined uh, the Marines, you know, many years ago. Um, But uh, much like any creative outlet, anything that gives anybody a chance to express themselves, I I back 100%. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and... You know what, sometimes you just make characters who are just for you because you want to, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Exactly,
1: exactly. You you just had a nice way of summarizing my, my way of doing it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, uh, I guess then uh, thank you for for being willing to come on the show, Kenan. Uh, I enjoyed hearing about Kenneth. Thank
1: you so much for having me on, Christina. And it, again, it's been a real pleasure to be a guest on this podcast. I encourage more people to listen to it or, heaven, heaven's sakes, write to her. I'm <laughs> I'm the, I'm the <laughs> second cold email that you've ever got. That needs to change.
0: I guess the next question is uh do you have any places on the internet where you would like to be found? Anything you want to promote or talk about?
1: I absolutely do. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to plug. Uh, I love plugging. Um <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at KScottPearson. Uh that's uh Scott with two T's. Um I as I mentioned throughout the course of this uh podcast, I am a voice actor. I do, you know, accept uh, bookings, you know, as I'm not represented by any agent right now. Uh mm-hmm. so if you like uh hearing me, you want to actually hear me perform, then by all means check out my demos. I have links to that all over the place on voices.com, voices123, you know, you name it. Uh I also have a podcast that talks about Gundam. So if you enjoyed listening to me, you know, ramble and rave about giant robots and stuff like that, I've got the Gundam Guys podcast, uh, which I host with my good friend Jeff. Uh he is new to the franchise and I'm kind of I mean, not like he's seen it about as much as anybody who grew up watching anime in the '90s saw it. Mm-hmm. But I'm taking him through everything, and Je- Jeff, like I love, I love him. He's the funniest. Per- Godspeed, Jeff. He- he's the funniest person that I've ever met. So you just wait till you hear what he has to say about all this stuff and this nonsense.
0: <laughs> hmm. That is, uh, that sounds like it's going to be a monumental undertaking. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's, uh, we're on iTunes, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, uh, it's actually thanks to your podcast that I found out what Stitcher was.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I can't say that I uh, have much of a connection with Stitcher, but I'm pretty sure my podcasts are on there, which is all that I really need to worry about. <laughs>
1: yeah, and uh, that that's as far as I got in, in terms of plugs, so uh, thank you for letting me do that.
0: Hi, you're welcome. The Home for Wayward OCs is a part of the Corner Podcast Network. It can be found on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Pippa, and Stitcher, and probably other places where you can catch your local pods. Uh, our theme song is "Violet" by Poddington Bear, courtesy of the Free Music Archives. New episodes come out on the second and fourth Mondays of the month. If you'd like to get in touch with us, uh, we can be found on Twitter at Wayward OC Pod or through the Wayward OC Pod hashtag. Uh, and I do have, uh, the next few episodes kind of scheduled out with Wayward, uh, but if you are interested in being on the show, feel free to send an email, uh, send a tweet. I'll probably be posting some kind of an open call for original characters around, well, not around, sometime this summer. Uh, and so just keep an eye on your Twitter for that when that happens. Uh, and, of course, because this is a podcast, it is always incredibly helpful if you subscribe, rate, review us on your listening platform of choice, if you can, like, leave a review, because that helps us to beat the algorithms, uh, find a wider audience, and to brighten more people's days. So, thank you all for listening. This has been The Home for e Seas, and we hope you enjoyed your stay.
1: All right, as they say, sound speeding. Oh, so this is the home for wayward OCs. Oh, I love what Christina's done with the place. Jeff, we have 15 seconds. Oh, yes. Take it away, Keenan. Hey, everyone. I'm Keenan, your Gundam guide. I'm Jeffrey, your Gundam gang. And we're, and we're the, the Gundam guys. guys. Join us as we make our way through the entire Gundam franchise from the beginning. I'll bring the knowledge. And I'll bring the snacks. See you soon.